Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we stand in awe of you. We stand in awe of your desire to see the world changed through the renewing power of the gospel of peace. And so living God today, I'm excited uh, to, to be able to share the inner workings of what we believe you've called us to do and to continue to do and to be strengthened in by the renewing power of the gospel. I pray that your people would pay attention and see themselves as participants of the playbook. There are no sideline Christians. Every Christian is to be in the game of life, uh, 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 on the field of life, doing what you've called us to do as your people. And so, God, um, my, my prayer today is that you let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh, once a year, I, 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 I take the opportunity <coughs> uh, on behalf of our leadership and on behalf of God, I believe, deeply, uh, to be able to share just a peek into some of our short-term vision that God has called us to call the State of the Church Address. How many of you have, ever, have been here before for a State of the Church Address at Epiphany Fellowship? About by show of hands. How many of you have not been here during a State of the Church Address? Okay, okay, so about 50-50, give or take, 40-50. And so, so, so it's very, very important. Our long-term vision, we sort of see when you come in, in our covenant community classes, and one of the last things we work through, it's probably like our 20 to 30 year vision that we sense that God has given us to reveal the glory and power of Jesus Christ uh, among us today. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs chapter 29 18 that people without vision are, are unrestrained. Um, that, that I did that word, they're unrestrained can mean a, lot of, a whole lot of things, but, but one of the things that it clearly means is, is they, they have no vision from the Lord. They have no, nothing that is directing their life. And when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you're set up for your life to have a visionary picture of how God wants it in every single area of your life. Before you became a believer, based on Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3, we had a demonic vision. And our demonic vision was to follow after the devil's vision for our life. But now that Christ has overcome for us and now we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us, now we have the ability to live in light of who Christ is versus who the devil is. And so I, I'm excited about that today because one, one of the things that a church really needs to continue to do and we restate over and over and over and over again is what God has called us here to do. And so, and so this year, we're going to be walking through the multiplying church today. That's, that's what I want to talk about today, the multiplying church. Can you say that? Yeah, that, that's going to be extremely important, and we're going to be in a ton of verses, but the purpose of today is to sort of give us clarity, not a theme. We don't do year themes, like in 2014, we're going to be mean and all of that. You know, in 2014, we're going to be lean, you know, talking about you're going to lose weight and all of that, you know. Um, you know, we, we don't do yearly themes that rhyme with the year because it may not work with God's vision. All right, all right, it, it, you know, so... So, so uh, we, find our, we find our vision in the Bible, not in rhyming, all right? And so, and so, um, and so, and so, and so in light of that reality, we, we, we want to uniquely root ourselves in being a multiplying church. We have seven seasons of church, church that we've gone through, and we're in the final season of church planting, which many of you, if you've been with us for a while, 
understand that we, we, we are a church that started from scratch. How many of you knew that? We started from scratch, uh, you know, and, and, so, and so in light of that, you have to go through phases of stabilization and development for health so that by the Lord Jesus Christ's grace, we can become rooted in reflecting the ultimate vision, not merely that he just has for Epiphany Fellowship, but every single church in the world. And so why, why, why do we do State of the Church Address? We want to look at the past, we want to look at the present, and we want to look at the future. And so we're going to call these eye convictions. Instead of core values, eye convictions. Is that all right with you? You know what I'm saying? We, you need convictions. Uh, you know, you don't need just contemplation and constipation. You need con- some convictions. Amen. 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 You can become spiritually constipated. Amen. But you're going to get an enema in Jesus' name today. And so, and so we're going we're to go ahead and release our spirit today. Amen. <laughs> so yeah, somebody, somebody should have said amen. Um, so, so, so our first core value, somebody say Christ-centeredness. Yeah, yeah, that's our foremost and central core value, okay? Where do we get, uh, uh, oh, I'm about to explain it. Let me, let me go through them. Uh, uh, Christocentrism, commitment, community, conversions, and culturally relevant ministry. And so, so, so we want to dial into each one of these today to kind of get a clarity of what we, what we sense based on God's calling of us, where we should be going, what we should be doing, and how we should be rooting ourselves Really, in what we would call this is the multivitamin pill of the Bible placed in these to show that we're living it out comprehensively. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. So don't, 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 don't drift off. Stay, stay in w- with me today. All, all, all right. So, so Christ-centeredness, where do we get that from? Colossians 1.16. All things were created, somebody say, through him, through him. and for him. For him. This, is, this is important. So when, when we talk about this value, about things made, made through him. That means Jesus is the means by which everything came into existence. And so that, that, that means that it, because he's the means, he's the center of everything. Like even in the Godhead, God the Father and God the Spirit like exalting Jesus. Like, like it pleased God to crush Jesus and highly exalt him that his name accesses the whole of the Godhead. Okay? So, so you can't get to God the Father or the Spirit without Jesus. Okay, so, so even they centralize him in the Godhead, even though the Father is preeminent in the Godhead. Okay, and so God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit have indubitable humility to be able to, to lift Jesus up as the mechanism. Jesus is, is in many ways functionally centering the Trinity. So why wouldn't he center us in our lives? It's beautiful that God the Father says, I highly exalt, I'm going to highly exalt this guy. That, that at his name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on earth, above earth, and under earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. But guess what? God gets something out of it. It says, to the glory of God the Father. The Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will take of what is of Jesus and give it to us. You don't get access to Jesus and his stuff through the Spirit without Jesus first being yours. Okay, and so, and so, so if you, if you, listen, let me just tell you something. If you don't like hearing the name Jesus, this is the wrong church to be in. Because we're going to say his name a whole bunch and exalt his name. And so, so through him and somebody say for him. So when we talk about for Jesus, that means that everything that was created was created for Jesus Christ with purpose. So everything has purpose. Your marriage has purpose. Your singleness has purpose 
purpose. Your purity has purpose. Your education has purpose. Your job has purpose. Your, 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 uh, your uh, parenting has purpose. Your life when you retire has purpose. Help me today, God. When, when, when you're young, when you're a young buck and you know Jesus, your life has purpose even in the midst of video games. We have, to, we have to push in the hearts of people that every single season of your life, when you're empty nesters soon, um, your life has purpose. Amen, somebody. And, so, and so, so whatever season of your life you're in, don't see any part of your life as mediocre. Uh, and, and, and mundane, because Christ doesn't dwell in the mundane. He's not a mundane Lord. He's a massive Lord. And so because of that, and because of that, all things were created through Jesus and for him. So he got purpose for every single sector of your life. He got plans for you, right? So we are convicted that Jesus Christ must be the center of everything in our lives as Christians. And so we are convicted that his life, death, burial, and resurrection would form and inform every, every, every sector of who we are. And so that when we say Christ-centeredness or Christocentrism, we used to say Christocentrism, some of my folks was like, Pastor, I don't know what that is. Um, so I said Christ-centeredness, and the elders agreed with it. So there we are, Christ-centeredness. Oh, oh, next, say commitment. Commitment. And they devoted, somebody says devoted. Yeah, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, and, to, and the prayers. And so, so commitment here is, is, is what we're going to even zoom in on as a core value under the auspicion of Christocentrism this year as we get into the practical pieces of our vision. Um, the, the idea of devotion means we are convicted that the truth of the Bible shapes what we believe and how we live for Jesus Christ. So, so when we say committed, when it talks about they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that means they devoted themselves to Jesus Christ. And so that means a part of being a Christian is not to be flighty. Not to be double-minded, unstable in all your ways. Not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But the Bible says that they were committed, they were devoted. But they weren't devoted in their individualism. They were devoted in relation to their connection to Christ and one another and the leadership to be a committed community that, that is showing off the glory of Christ in every single area of life. And so that's what we are. That's what we want to be, and that's what we strive for and move towards. So we are convicted that the local church is God's means to help shape and encourage our lives for Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about commitment, it, in, the, in, 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 the, in the New Testament, there was no such thing as a Christian that was disconnected from the local church. Like, 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 and you couldn't get mad at your church in your city because there was only one church per city. So you couldn't be like, I'm, man, I'm going to a feast. A feast, how I'm going to make it there? They, they, I mean, they had trains, y'all. They had subs. They didn't have the L. They didn't have no orange line. They had feet and donkeys, all right? And so, and, then to, and to move your life to another city, would have made, it, would have, it, would have, it wouldn't have even made sense. And so what they had to do is they would have to work with the messiness of the believers that they were part of. Amen, somebody. And so, and so, and so there, there was a level of commitment. And so, 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 so it, you, it was no such thing as being a Christian and being connected to Christ but not his people. And, and, so, and so therefore we, we, we're walking in this commitment of this eye conviction here. And so 
We look at community. Somebody say community. Community, community says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, the fellowship. I like that it's definite article, not, and it says, the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. I love that. And so fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. Somebody say koinonia. Koinonia means to partner with someone or share with or have in common with someone, uh, uh, to have in common uh, with God's people, someone, something, and some place. And so when we look at fellowship, it's very pointed with Christ being the center of us having him in common, right? And so in light of having him in common, the Bible says to the breaking of bread. Now, this doesn't merely mean communion here. It means that they hung together. That means they liked each other. Don't get quiet on me now. It means that they liked the church. They liked each other. They just, I, you know how people say when they really ain't feeling somebody, they say, how you feel about somebody? Oh, I love everybody. You know what I'm saying? You know, people, when they say I love everybody, that means I don't want to get into the issues I got with that joker or jokeette. All I want to do, you know what I'm saying, I just want to, I, I know I made it up, I'm sorry. But, 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 but you don't want to really get into the, re- I love everybody, everybody, you know what I'm saying? But, but you don't like everybody. And so being, being, being in community means you got to deal with people that you don't like. And so, and so what's good about breaking the bread, you spend time with believers. And you have ferocious commitment with one another as you build relationships. Because most people's commitment to the local church doesn't deepen until they feel a sense of belonging through relationships that they build in the local church. And so you can't blame the local church if all you do is come to Sunday morning and nothing else if nobody's reaching out to me. Okay, now if you're a Christian, you've been in the faith a long time or any amount of time, from four years to forever, all right? You need to, you need to learn how to make yourself available for community. I, that's all right. I'm going to keep talking, and I'll get an amen two or three here and there. But, 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 but we, we, we need to have vital relationship with Christ and one another. Now, that doesn't mean we become an ingrown toenail either. Well, all we are is around each other. Because anything that's ingrown hurts. Okay, you got to get cut every now and then, all right? Got to cut a toenail every now and then. Let's go to the next thing. All right, community. We commit ourselves to being vitally connected to God's people in the local church as a mutual discipleship community. I'm going to talk about this later, but it's very important that we recognize that this is a community of discipleship. When the Bible talks about do not forsake yourselves of the assembling together, the next verse after verse uh, 25 in Hebrews chapter 10 says, and spur one another along to love and good deeds. You need to write that down. The idea of spur means to light each other on fire. That means when you get together, you should be firing each other up about Jesus Christ. That means you should walk away fired up to live for Christ. Listen, being on fire for God is not for the young believers only. New, when, I, when I say young, I'm talking about new, not in age, but spiritual age. And you know, we, 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 people used to say, I remember people used to discourage me. I was on fire, I shared the gospel with a wall because ain't nobody, was, I mean, that's how much I was, I was going off. Chairs were getting saved, you know what I'm saying? It was... You know what I'm saying? I was coming up regenerated. Rocks was crying out and carrying on. Some, I'm, you know, I'm getting saved too, you know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, because that, but then old heads would be like, old heads would be like, young buck, that's going to all go away one day when you get used to being a Christian. And, 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 and we, we must, on fire is not a specific group of people who love Jesus more than others. On fire for God means a constant state 
of fanning the flame of encouragement around God's people so we can all be his ops team to kill it for his glory. And so, so when we talk about community, we're talking about vital relationship. It, do, do, you know, do you know being around, I didn't mean to say that, but do you know being around the body can help with depression? Can help you with your depression. There's healing being with God's people. And there's some things God won't do until we get with each other. Some people say, I need to get alone with God. And I understand what you mean by that. But most of the most massive things that God did, I can't wait till we go to the book of Acts. Most of the things that God did, he didn't do to individuals. He did to God's people together. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so we'll talk about that when we, when we get there. But we're a mutual community of discipleship. That means we exhort one another, men and women, in community with one another, ha- have an exhortational relationship where we get to jam each other up. That means you got to let yourself be knowable. <laughs> it, it, it's a counseling community as well to get jammed uppercus. But then to get encouraged when you're alone and feeling alone and somebody to encourage you and love on you. That's what the community is supposed to be. But you can't just expect to receive it, though. You have to be community for others. I got to move. Um, conversion. Somebody say conversions. We're about conversion. So praising God and having favor with all the people. I love that. That, that means that even though people didn't like Christians, God gave them favor with people. Because this was when they was getting persecuted. You know, so this is when Christians were getting beat up, you know, just beat up, all right? But, but, but God was giving them favor with a lot of different people. And it says, and the Lord, somebody say the Lord. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So how does he add to the number? Did he just say, all right, you coming to church, you coming to, nah. He's talking about conversion. That means the people of God, where they lived and dwell, they were at the corner store sharing the gospel. You know, they, they, was at, they was at Fresh Grocer sharing the gospel. They, you know what I'm saying? They was at Pathmark sharing the gospel. You know, I know we live in different neighborhoods, so we got to get, you know, sack and save, you know, shop right. You know, because some of y'all are like, I don't, go, I don't know, shop right. That's a, you know, I, I know you bougie, so you know what I'm saying? So, you know, what's the, what's Wegmans. Yeah, thank you, baby. Yeah, the Wegmans, you know what I'm saying? That's why I got a wife. Help me. We here, baby. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I mean so, so where you live? So, so it's very, very important. You're at the coffee shop, you know, a, a coffee shop, Dunkin' Donuts for y'all who do that. But, 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 but it's so important that everywhere we live and dwell, we, we're, we, we, we're an open, like some of y'all, some of, I, I, I'm not wired that way, you know. I'm not wired to share the faith. I'm wired to just bring them to church and let you share the gospel with them. Or I'm wired to just build a relationship with them for 10 years and then maybe, like, I don't know where in the vicinity of the biblical record that that is. None of us are wired to tell somebody about somebody that's better than us. (laughs) No, who's wired to do that? Who's wired wired to do that? That's why you had to be born again. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so conversion, so, but conversion is comprehensive, though. It's not just initial justification. So check it out. So, so when we look at this, we proclaim the gospel, conversions, right? We follow up new converts. Like, it, it was no such thing in the early church where somebody gets saved and nobody sees them again. Like, like there was a sense even on the converts side of things where your conversion was seen as authentic when you continued to come around with the church. If you made a profession of faith and they never saw you again, they would not have seen you as an authentic believer. That would have been a profession of faith, not a conversion. 
Are you tracking with me? So there's both responsibility on the converted, uh, the, the nuclearly converted and the season of conversion to connect with each other. So because discipleship is a commitment of the life. Jesus, when, he, when, he, when Peter and them got saved, he had to run around and keep asking them to follow him. He asked him 20 times to follow him. He said, he came around one day, talked to your man Peter. Peter got rocked. He changed his name, which is weird, crazy. Meet him for the first time, change his name. Then he go, he's fishing. Then over in Luke, he goes over in Luke 5, goes over, presents himself. When he presents himself, he said, man, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. He says, all right, follow me. Boom, he dropped everything, so I'm following Jesus with all his mistakes, with all of his messed upness, follow Jesus. And so conversion, and so that means disciple them from spiritual what? To spiritual so that's our role. That's our role in converting, in the, in the continuous conversion of the church. All right? So culturally relevant ministry says, Issachar, men who had understanding of the times and to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. And so when you look at this, ver- the, the, this verse in the context of uh, uh, 1 Chronicles uh, 12, it's interesting that this was really the smallest contribution at this time, but it was the largest contribution. It was a small contribution in relation to the number of people in Issachar. And so the, the, the idea of uh, understanding that is actually two words that translate understanding. It's yadah banach, which is a, a, a hendiatus, which points to the fact that there's an intensity of terminology to express the reality of what they did, meaning that they understood the times, they knew the culture. That means Christians don't run from culture. That means you don't run from Time Magazine. Y'all got quiet on me. You don't run, you don't run, from, you don't run from understanding, well, that's the devil. Be separate among them. That's not the Bible, okay? That we need to understand what's going on in the world, but we don't let the world inform our spirituality. Because that, but you, they knew the times, but they knew what Israel ought to do. Why? Because of the Bible. When you have a Christian worldview, you go into culture with a grid. And when you go in culture with a grid, whether, whether, you, whether you're doing some type of, I mean, every single area of your life, you need to be engaging it on your campus. You need to be the most monstrositous intellectual you can be. Because Jesus Christ, intellect was made for him. If you blue collar and you grimy in a mug, but you blue collar and you work hard, do it all to his glory. All the way from the internet to the ground. And that doesn't mean the blue. Don't walk out of here. The blue collar got mine too. I ain't, you know, I'm just saying. My example is, is that we need to maximize it in every single area of our life to engage it relevantly. All right? Now, let's get into it. In relation to this, we are convicted to equip and dispatch God's people to promote the gospel locally, nationally, and internationally. All right? So let's look at Mark 11. These are just the foundational things before we get into some of the practical things that we're going to do. Are y'all still trekking with me? Y'all still trekking in the balcony? All right, I'm just making sure. Y'all balcony, it's dark up there. I just want to make sure. All right, all right. And so, so it says, on the following day when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. He was hungry. And seeing from a distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. Lord, have mercy. When he came to it, the tree, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit, uh, eat fruit from you again. And, th- and his disciples heard it. Now, what's weird about this is you would think, why would Jesus do this? First off, this is the one and only time in the gospel Jesus curses anything. 
He, he, didn't, he didn't ever curse anything, any, anything. This is the only, one of the only time he does that. But what's interesting is Jesus, like, I, don't, please forgive me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus was cool in the mug, man. You, you got to see, in, in, verse, in verse 10, you see he walks up in the temple, rolled up in the temple. He walked up in the temple. I don't believe he skipped in the temple. Yeah, I believe he walked in the temple. He looked, and the Bible says he looked around. He just looked around, then he, then he peeled out. Next day, he walking with his disciples. Jesus walking toward the temple. He got a little hungry. You know what I'm saying? He was human. 100% God, 100% man, so God got hungry. Crazy, right? Boom, he looks, at the, he looks at the fig tree. It's in leaf. Now, if it's in leaf and it wasn't the season for figs, why would he expect there to be fruit on it? Well, fig trees are different than the way most fruit trees grow fruit. Fruit precedes leaves with fig trees. So therefore, the fruit should have been ripe by now. So that when the leaves grew out, would say that it was ripe because the season had passed for them to begin their growth. But even though the season had passed, there still should have been fruit on it. And so when he came to it and it didn't bear, it didn't show fruit, it reminded him of the state of Israel. But what he's going to do next is he's going to go in the temple in verse 14, I mean verse 15, and what is he going to do? Cleanse the temple. Because the, the fig tree reflected the state of where God's people were. They looked spiritual. They looked like they should bear fruit. They looked, I mean, they had all of the signs of spirituality. But when he got close to them, they didn't have any fruit. They didn't, they didn't have anything to show for thousands of years of God's investment into them. And so, and so what, 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 what we don't want to be is we don't want to be an unfruitful ministry. We don't want to be a ministry that looks like a Christian and walks like a Christian. We say all the theological terms and Christian ease, and we know all this. But then when you get close to inspecting us, there can be nothing that is expected that's on us that reflects the fact that we have been with God and we have been connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. And, and, and fig trees, this is not in my notes, but fig trees were actually a sign of where wisdom and intimacy took place, where people would chop it up under fig trees. They were, oh, that's a whole message. Let me move. Jesus' expectations of it, though, fruitfulness. He expects fruitfulness out of his people. Number, number two, he, he expects multiplication. Anything that's fruitful must multiply. How do I get that? In Genesis, everything that God created that grew always reproduced. It's always, it's every seed after its kind, every animal. So what God wants us to do is God wants us, even man was created to be fruitful and what? Multiply and fill the earth, right? And so in being fruitful and multiplying and filling the earth, Jesus has those same expectations of the people of God, even here with this fig tree, and he has it of us because the fruit on it is to meet needs. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do, meet needs. So let's look at it. So in John chapter 15, verse 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So now what, what, we, what we see here is that fruit bearing is a part of being connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. So in light of that, in bearing fruit, bearing fruit is, 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 is those pieces, the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit later we'll see in Galatians, uh, in the Bible, we see that those are the parts of, the, that's like an ID card, okay, to say that you know him. 
Okay, so ID card or an identification card is what you use to identify yourself, identify your identity. That's what fruit does for a believer. If you say you're a believer but you don't have any fruit, it's hard to know whether you're truly his. All right? And he said, this is how you prove that you follow me, that you bear fruit. Now, so fruitfulness always leads to multiplication. Always. Not addition, multiplication. All right? Now, in light of that, what areas do we want to multiply in? So, so, so right now, I want to transition all of that biblical foundation we just went through in relation to fruitfulness and multiplication and what we're supposed to be. And being in this last season of church planting, which, should, I mean, uh, which we should be in for the rest of our season as believers, like multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. There's some key areas, I believe, strategically that we need to bore down in as a church and as a committed community to multiply. Amen, somebody. So commitments, what, 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 what are we looking at? We, we're looking at commitments, we're looking at leaders, multiplication, we're looking at disciples, we're looking at missions and outreach. These are the things that we want to continue but even pay special attention to in this season to multiply. Let's go to commitments. Membership. I was, ex- I was excited a few weeks ago when 40 people said they wanted to be a part of the church. I'm excited about that because we live in a generation where people have options. And if people having options, there's options has you touching everything but committed to nothing. And and, and so what happens is there's sort of this, there's sort of this optional philosophy of life when, when, when when you're connected to everything but have no depth in anything. Okay? And so we, 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 we want people, I don't want you to just say, I'm a believer. You know what I'm saying? you know, and all of that. You, you need to be a member of a local church. And so we want to amp up that commitment because one of the things that Epiphany has been for so long is a museum for people that just want to see a quote-unquote cool church. And I'm just telling you right now, if people walk out with that, I, I'm sad because the church is, isn't anointed to be cool. It's anointed to be Christ-centered and effective for his name, all right? And so, and so, we, so, we, so we need membership. So that means I don't want to meet somebody anymore, I'm just telling you, I love you to death. Don't come to me saying, I've been at Epiphany for a year, and you're my pastor. I've, met, I've, I've gone traveling. I'm not, y'all look at me funny if you want to. I've gone traveling to places. I meet somebody, Pastor, I was at Epiphany Fellowship for three years, and you were my pastor. I said, when? <laughs> How you had a church for three? Did you, were you a, well, I wasn't a member, but I'm like, hold on. What, like, I wasn't your pastor then. I was, a, I was a live podcast. I mean, I, I, I wasn't your pastor. You know what I'm saying? These men weren't your pastors. Because you make a covenant with the local church. That you're going to walk with the community and be the community to others. So membership. I'm gonna keep, y'all going to get tired of me talking about it. I'm going to preach the gospel of justification. I'm going to preach the gospel of membership. Over and over and over and over again until everybody in here is a Christian and a member. I'm just telling you, I, I, I have no shame in recruiting. I have no shame, and you shouldn't either. And if, you, and if Epiphany ain't the place for you, I'm okay with that. But don't be a serial attender. Get to a healthy church. God bless you. All right, here we go. <laughs> Commitments. We, we want to increase service. want to increase service. We're, we're blessed. We're about... We're, we're, we're over 10% of the people here do, are, are involved, but, but we do want to get beyond that because we need to own the mission together. 
We need to own the mission together. And, 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 so, and so that means uh, uh, we, we need to own the mission together. By the way, people who are serving, you can't take spontaneous sabbaticals. I don't want to hear nobody, I'm taking off a year and six months. Well, who gets to do that? That's all I'm going to say. I'm just telling you, leaders, I volunteer, I'm, I'm taking a sabbatical for ministry. I'm like, like, you're not a Levitical priest, first of all, where you work every day. Like, I'm, I'm lost. Like, like, nobody gets to do that. And so, so, so you're going to have to serve and be a part of that. And, you gotta, and that's why we're doing multiplication. So you won't work to the point of exhaustion and then feel like you got to peel back because you're not making disciples. Don't get quiet now. Um, those who view being Epiphany more long-term, we really want long-term commitments. We know that some of our college students, you guys are going to be here for four years, maybe six, whichever plan you're on and finishing. Um, but we know you're going to be here for a particular amount of time, and we're excited to have you here. We love you. Um, the issue, though, is, is we, we don't want you to have a home church in, in Yugoslavia and then talking about you're here for four years without any spiritual covering. So what do you do like that? We created a membership for you where you still hold your membership at your home church. You call them, get their permission, but then you also be connected to this church so that you have covering and leadership and community. It's great. And so that's what we want to do. But I do want to, I do want to, I do, my prayer is that there are people because one of the things about Epiphany, it's been transient. So we have people that come through for a season um, who, who, who do everything from any, any type of legit work in the city or whatever you're doing, and you're here for a season, and we, we, you're welcomed here. So we're not, this is not a push-off. But we do need people who would say, I'm planting my flag as being a, a, a long-term committed person that wants to be a part of and you, I mean, And, of course, God can move you and all that, but I'm talking about in your mind, you can only live today. You can't live for 10 years from now, okay, in that sense. And so what you want to do is you want to begin saying, I want to plant in and I want to be a part of creating the DNA that God has envisioned here. Amen, somebody. That means black people of all kinds, white people of all kinds, Asian people of all kinds. Everybody welcome. Everybody welcome. He, she, they, y'all. Come on, and let's get on together and get at it for Jesus Christ's namesake. Uh, it's a long-term commitment. And build ascending, uh, uh, build ascending church mentors. That's one of the things that, that's big a part of what we do is we're ascending church as well. So we don't just hold on to people, and if you leave, we, we, we act like a cult. You left God if you left us. It's some churches just weird to me. Can't nobody leave. People got to sneak and leave. They got to email you. You know what I'm saying? Like, let folk go. They don't belong to you. Jesus says, shepherd my sheep. Let them go. Listen, listen, I like sending people because I don't want to create for people a a, a disposition that if you leave, um, it hurts us to the point where you're kind of alien, like you're under some type of church just because you left. Like we want to be a part of hooraying your commitment here and your time here and commissioning you even to where God has you next so that where you're going, it can be a part of your journey versus creating church hurt unnecessarily. That's, and that's, I don't like when leaders do that. And I didn't like if I was done like that. And so that's not even biblical. So what we want to do is we want to multiply commitment to renewal in Philly. That's, when we're talking about long term, I know Philly look like that. I know it does. You know. I love Philadelphia. I'm from D.C., but I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been adopted. I love Philadelphia. So I can say something bad about it, but you can't. I love Philadelphia. All right? I, lo- I love this city. I love the people. I love the long beards. I, I, you know, I love the weaves. You know what I'm saying? 
I, I love the, the tatted Polish people. I love all, I, Philadelphia, I love, it's a grimy, shabby, chic city. I love it. I, lo- I love this city. You know what I'm saying? I, lo- I love the flavor, the artsiness, the soulfulness of Philly. You know what I'm saying? The griminess, the cuteness, the flyness, all of that. I love it. But, you know what I'm saying? I ain't mad at nobody. Everybody from the East Coast, Northeast, moving to Atlanta and Florida. All right? We know that it's nicer down there. We know. We know you can buy a house for cheaper, maybe. We know that we're, we're crammed on each other up here. We know it's trash everywhere. We know it's graffiti everywhere. We got murals, though. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so, I mean, so, you know, you know, I mean, so, but, but this is what I'm challenging you to do. I want you, instead of envisioning being somewhere else where someone has created what you're looking for, and I want you, the Bible says he's near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. This is a reflection of the spiritual state of Philadelphia. Those who are crushed in spirit. But guess what? We join God where he's active. And guess what? He's active. I'm not saying he's not active in L.A. and Florida and all of that. All right? But he, he's also active to those who are broken and crushed in spirit. Why, instead of, listen, I don't see, listen, when I come, when I look around, I see opportunity. See, see this opportunity. See all these, all these abandoned factories. Yeah. Like, like somebody need to start some kind of business. Yeah. Now I'm gonna tell you a personal dream for me. Just personal. This ain't, this ain't even Epiphany Vision. This just Eric Mason. I'd like to see like, like a, a neighborhood in Philly. I, and I, I think I'm, you know, um, with boutiques everywhere. Just nice clothes, and you get some coffee, sit outside, cacao your little sippage, you know. And, and just enjoy it. And it's brick streets and, you know, it smells nice and no trash outside. And you can just chill. Some of y'all need to start a boutique. Some of y'all need to buy one of these factories and start something. In Jesus' name, start it. And listen, the reason why, listen, you better take advantage of the economics in this city while it's low. And see, don't see it for this. See it for that. You know what I'm saying? No trash. See that? <laughs> oh, one piece right there. We kicked that up, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just nice. It's just nice. Why don't you commit? And somebody say, well, that's a row house. Well, it's other places that spread out. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, let's, let's envision us seeking the peace of the city. Amen. You buying a house in the city. Buy you a $30,000 house. Gut that mug. Fly it out. Get you some hardwood, some mahogany ministry, granite, all of that. Plat out 100, 100 beans, 100,000, my bad. And, and enjoy. Make you a garden on the roof of your house. Share the gospel with your neighbors. I know some of y'all want to do gyms, and somebody want to do, not gyms like the steak shop, a gym. Um, somebody else, somebody else want to do uh, uh, a, a car detailing spot. You know, somebody want to do a nutrition and health center. We got psychologists in here. We're like, get, get it. Go, just go get it for Jesus and beautify the city. And then now people will be coming here because God used you to make this a good dwelling place. And so, and so, and so that's, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to see God done. So more multiplying areas, leaders, elders, deacons, small group leaders, small group leaders and small group leaders, both men and women, um, charting new ministry ground. We want to see all of that. Discipleship streams, small groups, mature men and women 
owning and pouring their lives into others. This is massive. Okay, I'm closing out, but I want you to see this. Um, one of the things I want to do, and the reason why we planted this church, we weren't, we weren't planted, we didn't plant, plant Epiphany Fellowship to be frustrated with a younger generation. We didn't plant it to judge when a young lady comes in as an unsaved Christian immodestly. We didn't plant the church to judge if a dude is, 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 is curses like a sailor and, and needs some help. What we planted this church for was to build an intergenerational, multi-ethnic hub for people to become viable disciple makers who, instead of talking about people, they go and gather people to make them into Christ's image. Okay? That's why we came here. So I don't want to hear you complain about nobody's, nobody's sin unless you've helped them. So, so now, I, this, this is what we need. We need some, some, some of the seasoned saints and some of those who, who've grown a little something, some, you, you, you know, married couple, singles too. Singles, you can do it. Take, get, ladies, take some ladies aside, four or five of them that's just grimy. Take them aside, say, we're going to meet every Saturday morning, you know, at West Oak, I mean, at Oakland Diner, whatever the diner, you know, the diner joint, you know, Sabrina somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Meet with them, sit down with them, chop it up with them over some, some turkey bacon and some eggs with cheese. And walk them, walk them through some women's material. Walk them through some of your struggles. Don't, now, when you disciple them, don't act like you ain't done nothing, no. Yeah. <laughs> some of y'all want to tell part of your testimony. Well, I used to be. No, you still are. <laughs> tell them all your testimony. <laughs> all right? And, and, you, and you sit down, you talk. Dudes, men, men, we need some husky Oh, my God, getting to get, snatching cats up. You know what I'm saying? Snatching them up. Say, come here, man. Come here, man. You ain't going to just holler at that girl by yourself. Who is in y'all? Rela- come on, let's talk. Let's talk. We're going to sit down. You're going to come to my house tonight? All right, we're going to meet. Boom, sit them down. Order the UFC fight. While y'all watching the fight, eating popcorn and everything, you next to him in his grill. Oh, see that knockout punch? If you touch the girl like that again, I'm going to knock you out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like make disciples. Use the Bible when you do the knockout punch. You got to have a Bible. Like Nehemiah tore beards out and everything. You know what I'm saying? It's in the Bible. They didn't listen. It's in the Bible. And so, and so, and so we, need to, we need to own making disciples. Some of y'all ladies, you said, well, I can't do that by myself. Well, two or three ladies who are on one accord or dudes get together, snatch some cats up. With, like go to small. Don't it replace life groups. But do it with, along with life groups, snatch them under your wing. Well, I got a baby. I can't do it. Have them come over the house, wash your dishes while you feeding the baby. I ain't washing nobody's dishes, but you don't want to be discipled. Huh? You can help fold some clothes and hear the word of God and some testimonies. I ain't nobody serving. Well, the greatest among you will become. I'm, I'm just saying, this is in the Bible. Some of these young mothers need some help, but they got some lace truth in them that'll knock you out. Some of y'all young professional women with all your degrees, pull yourself out. Some of you dudes killing it for the glory of God, pull yourself out. Amen. I'm going to keep going. Missions and outreach. We're going to continue monitoring church planters. I love it. I love church planters. I think they're the craziest men on the earth to go somewhere where they don't know nobody and, and believe God to bring something to fruition. It's the greatest thing on the planet. Continuing school outreach. I'm excited about what we're doing with our school outreaches. We're closing. Evangelistic efforts, ministry in Malawi. Question is, how, how are we going to start to get this done multiplication-wise? This is just some of our multiplication process. Don't let it overwhelm you. It's just something I want us to know that we have a plan for it. 
We want to win people. Somebody say win. Build. Equip. Develop. Release. That's our process. That's what we want to do biblically with people. This is our, I want us to begin memorizing everything from the core values, mission and vision, and our strategic process of developing people. If you want a copy of this, I will send it to you or, or, or have it for download. We want this movement going on in our multiplication process. Reaching out, reaching up, reaching in, reaching across. Then finally, these are the phases. We want to mature people through an infancy, infant, child, young adult, parent phase. And we want to see people grow through this process. And this, don't, don't, don't look in the details of it. I just want to show you the big part of it. We really want to help people to move strategically through this process of spiritual maturity. All right? Finally. Pray for us that we will maximize and steward what God has given us in this season, okay? That means this facility, we want to get the first floor done, knock that thing out, six to, six to 800 people to be able to fit down there, and that's to rock it out for Jesus' name's sake and use this for other space. We want to maximize our influence. We want to maximize God's people. We want to maximize our resources. That's what we want to do in this season and in this year. Last but not least, the acquisition of larger facility. We are looking at William Penn. We're praying for that. Um, but if God don't give it to us, unless the Lord has something better for us, he may just be like, I'm just going to floss on something crazier for you. So boom, either one. But we want to maximize our space because this facility can't do everything that we believe God has called us to do long term. But we want to stay in this neighborhood and maximize it. Amen, somebody. And then finally, gospel-centered economic development, which, which is being worked on by Anna Hunt. Uh, and, 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 and in doing this, we want to empower the indigenous poor too, do several things, see their lives as resources through God's eyes to create opportunities to build their own city through Jesus Christ. Amen. And then partner with like-minded organizations to serve the needy in our city. And so the, the, these are just some of the things that we're going to be walking through. I overviewed it because we're going to keep this before your eyes as, as the Lord shepherds us and leads us into developing our city locally, nationally, and internationally, um, doing what God has called us to do for his namesake and for his praise. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 Father, we thank you and honor you for vision. You said people without vision are unrestrained. And so, Lord Most High, I pray that you would give us just a sense of purpose and a sense of direction as you root us in these values that you've called us to. And Lord, I'm excited and passionate about seeing you help us to be a community that loves this city and, 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 and loves what you want to do and loves to see people transformed and changed. And I'm so thankful for the young saints, the seasoned saints, and those who are yet to be saints. Uh, Lord, I'm excited about it. I mean, we're ultimately excited about Christ's finished work on the cross for us uh, that has taken us from darkness into the marvelous light. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, amen, amen.